What's going on, guys? Anthony here. I am super excited for you guys to listen to this new episode I have with Nancy John. Look, she's amazing. The amount of depth that she brings to her conversations, the amount of thoughtfulness she brings to her conversations, the amount of empathy and compassion and overall passion that she brings to the world of leadership, the world of employee experience, the world of HR, the world of business uh, is, is truly inspiring. And I'm super grateful to have her on today's episode. Now, in today's episode, we're going to go into a lot of different topics that I think you guys will find super interesting. It's a little bit of a lengthy podcast. I will give you guys that. It's about 90 minutes full of content, right? And uh, we go into a lot of variety and, and, and a lot of different aspects, whether it's entrepreneurship and how she decided to jump into the world of entrepreneurship and start her own consultancy and step away from the corporate world. She kind of walks me through how she's decided to design her overall life around her business and how that has truly impacted her overall perspectives of not only herself, but how she kind of views the world of business moving forward. We talk, we jump deep into feedback and, and you know, it's, it's, it's actually pretty interesting what we do with this conversation around feedback. We go into a lot of different areas of the psychology of an employee when they are trying to do upward, upwards, excuse me, uh, feedback. And then we also jump into the psychology of a leader and, and navigating what a leader should do to build that emotional glue, build that safety for an employee to feel comfortable doing that upwards uh, feedback. And so there's a lot of different varies, uh, variations and a lot of different aspects of feedback that we dive into that she definitely uh, provides some expertise around. And then we go a little bit more into the overall employee experience and my perspectives. And, 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 and honestly, my overall, my overall belief and my overall perspective is around what a leader's responsibility is to not only the brand, but to the people that are working for the brand and to try to find different ways to truly impact the, the leaders that are going to be within a company and the employees that are going to be within a company and making sure that everyone, right, whether it's a leader, whether it's an employee, that they are fully comfortable, that they have every opportunity in the world to win. And Nancy definitely does a great job of supporting me with those themes. Uh, and then finally, we jump into my overall passion project that I've been slowly but surely putting together. Um, and uh, I don't know if I want to give you guys too much of that. I think I want to leave that as a surprise for the podcast, but I'll give you a tiny little, tiny little uh, insight to what uh, to what's going to be happening here. So in the very near future, probably six months or so, I'm considering jumping out into the world and starting um, potentially an angel fund that's going to be supporting it's going to be investing in brands that are putting people first employee experience first hr first and being thoughtful around the themes and all the different areas that you can go in and around people and and, and I'm, I'm and i'm super excited about it because i feel like it's the best way for a brand to have longevity it's the best way for a brand to have success and here moving into 2020 uh, there's a lot of data that actually supports these themes and these variables that I'm super excited to touch on. And Nancy does a great job of giving me a few tips and insights on what I should be thinking about when looking into starting this fund and getting this off the ground. So again, Nancy John is amazing. She does an amazing job of giving all of you guys and all of you listeners uh, a lot of 
uh, amazing value, a lot of great insights that I know you guys are going to be able to digest and really put into your daily practices and actions with your brands and the work that you guys are doing. As always, if you're driving, if you're just listening to this at home, pause it, get your notepad out, write some notes down, get some details. Um, Get some details out of this out of this podcast because I truly feel this is going to be one for the record books. I definitely feel that this is going to be one that everyone will comment a year from now, six six years from now, six months from now, telling me that they are super appreciative that I had Nancy John on today's episode, as well as they really found a lot of value out of today's lengthy episode. So again, enjoy today's podcast. As always, employees first, business second. Don't ever forget it and understand the value that you can have on your brand and the longevity of your brand when you do so. Thanks so much. Perfect. All right, guys, uh, this is Anthony here back again after a long uh, Christmas, holidays, New Year's break. I'm a little bit uh, a little bit tired, but I think I'll be all right. Uh, this is E1B2, as you guys know, Employees First, Business Second podcast. I have Nancy John. That's correct, your last name, right? That's right. Perfect. On the podcast today, uh, tell us briefly uh, a little bit about yourself, and um, we're going to just jump right in. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for having me on here, Anthony, and Happy New Year to you and to everybody else listening in. A little bit about myself. Um, I, I'm actually, I'm a recent entrepreneur, uh, actually about, I'd say about six months in, uh, in 2019. And, um, you know, the focus, like I, I, I started a business called Seed Leadership and really in a nutshell, our focus is on building future leaders. And so, um, that's been a big passion of mine. Uh, I've been in the corporate world in the space for uh, a little over 15 years and, just had the opportunity and courage to take a step into that last year. And, um, and so that's the work that I'm doing. And I've had an opportunity to meet really good people like yourself, Anthony, and who are kind of had that similar focus of developing people and, and being in that space. And so um, where I'm at right now is kind of taking that background that I already have uh, with, with the corporate area and seeing how I can kind of take that to the next level through the work that uh, that I'm doing through Seed Leadership. And so this podcast gives another opportunity to reach out to people uh, one to have a conversation with and to, and to share a little bit more about myself. So I guess as part of our conversation, we'll get into a little bit more of that, but that's me in a nutshell. Perfect. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's just jump right into this conversation because I think this is, um, I'm always fascinated by this. Uh, as I, I think you know, and we've talked about this before, um, and, and, and all the listeners, they, they know this story uh, to some degree. Uh, I was an entrepreneur a few different times. Mm. Um, I will be again at some point. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when. It's always kind of a weird, a weird mindset on that. Uh, it needs to be soon, though, because I'm starting <laughs> to get that itch that I want to have. Uh, I want to have a few babies running around here. So, uh, <laughs> it needs to be it needs to be soon because I'm. I don't know. That's a whole nother perspective we get into because I don't right. I don't know if I want to put them into a world where I'm just in the beginning stages of getting something off the ground as they are coming into the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just a whole like putting them in limbo financially that I don't know if I'm willing to take that chance. But right. um, I will start another business at some point. So tell me this. Tell me like fully, fully authentic. Like 
how, how are things going? Everyone kind of gives me the PR version answer. I want to know, you know, how's it really going? What are some things that are just not only keeping you up at night, but what are some surprises, some, some, um, some, some sad moments, but then also sure. tell me, obviously, tell me obviously the good things too, because uh, I don't want to paint a picture that it's all bad or all sure. scary. So, so talk to me yeah. about how it realistically is going. Yeah. You know, I, when I thought about that, the first, the, the first word that comes to my mind is awakening. So I have to say this process has been a bit of an awakening for me, not just on the business side, uh, just me as an individual. Um, so the thing with entrepreneurship is, like, so as I mentioned, that this work, like starting seed leadership is something that I have wanted to do. Actually, my husband and I together had wanted to do for years. And I can think back to as far back as, I don't know why 2006 sticks out in my mind as a year. Um, just you guys are we are like, we're partners in this, but I'm the one who's kind of taking the leap on it. Uh, we made a decision that we both wouldn't be kind of stepping out of corporate. It just financially wasn't, we couldn't do it that way. It. So, so he is uh, like, we're co-founders in it, but I'm the one doing the legwork at this point, just because yeah. that's how, that's how we need to do it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I remember having a, we were chatting about kind of the spirit of this I'm thinking 2006 because we're having brunch and we're just chatting and we, we always had this passion for developing leaders. And in a lot of our work that we did and, and we do as he does right now from a corporate space had to do with leadership development. So it was always like in our blood. It's always been in our heart to do this work. Um, but what's lacking was the courage. You know, some people can just, just jump out and do it. And that wasn't something that, I don't know. I just never did it that way. Um, I just didn't have the courage to do that. And so in this, uh, in 2019, it just so happened that courage and circumstances just seemed to line up for me to be able to take that leap. So it's an awakening because one, I know that I'm stepping into something that I've always wanted to do. So that's something that I know that anybody who's thinking about entrepreneurship or starting something has that mindset. I'm sure like when I hear you talk, Anthony, that's what I'm getting from you. There's something in your blood that kind of is like, ah, I, I want to, I want to do that. Um, that said, there's also, there's also the, it's also lonely. <laughs> so it's, it's definitely lonely uh, to do this. So where the, the cool thing when you work in an organization is that when it comes to building connections, partnerships, networks, you're, the, the people are all around you. And you, the, the group that you can go to is around you. You can build it. Here you have to be very, like as an entrepreneur, you have to be very intentional about doing it because it can become very easy just to become a one-person show, yeah. and not be reaching out to anybody and not really think about networking um, and so on. So that, that's definitely there. I would say that it's, it's, a, lonely, um, it's a lonely journey. Uh, the other thing is I, I mentioned about awakening because I'm learning a lot about myself. And that's, I don't, I don't know, there's good and bad to that because the, the good, I mean, when I say good and bad, I don't, it's actually all good, but the bad about it is that you also, your insecurities become really heightened. Um, the things that maybe when you were in your day-to-day -day work, you just can, you know, you've, you've, you've been recognized as somebody who can achieve a certain way, or you've kind of built a strength, you've built a skill set and and it's something that you've built upon. But when you come into entrepreneurship, it just feels like all of a sudden you're like, man, what do I know? I don't know anything. And you keep telling yourself these kinds of stories. And so I, I really have learned about my insecurities 
um, a lot. They've become super heightened for me. And to be honest, I'm actually really grateful for it because I'm, there's things that I'm learning that I'm like, you know what, Nancy, this is, this is how you choose to operate. This is how you choose to do things. And sometimes it's been a good thing for me to say, and that's okay. Like I'm, I'm now realizing this is just how I like to do things and I'm comfortable with that. And that's just how I'm going to do it. And if somebody else does not appreciate it, then we were, we were just not meant to work together. And that is completely okay. Um, but then I'm also realizing where I'm like, man, this is a pattern. Like, how do you work through that? Because it conflicts with a bigger picture that you're working towards. Um, so loneliness, I would say, um, insecurities, like, oh my goodness, that voice in my head. And sometimes just the question of why are you doing this? Like, you can certainly go do something else. Why yeah, exactly? Yeah. Because it's slow, right? Like, there's so many things that I want done really quickly. I'm, I'm very much somebody who can be really impatient about things. And so uh, the process is slow. I mean, you think a client is going to come through, you think a contract's going to come through, and then boom, it's not there. And you're like, oh, shoot, like, now what, right? And so I would, one of my biggest kind of awakening moments is like really, really being open to all the learnings that are coming. So when I look about, I think about a contract that didn't pan out, and I really don't know why it didn't pan out. I felt like we were offering something great. Um, but then I had to take a step back and go, okay, what did you learn in this? And I learned, I really got uh, a real good idea for how to build a proposal um, because that takes time. That's not an easy thing to do. And those are things that I never really thought about. Like, how do you write what, a proposal? What are, some, what are some key components? Like, what's one key component of a proposal that people wouldn't think of, you think? Uh, you know, the, the thinking, about, thinking from the viewpoint of the person you're speaking to. I think a lot of times what happens when we build out any of these things, proposals or any communications, is we always think about, does it making sense to me? And it really needs to, you have to really put yourself in the shoes of that individual. So for example, if you're presenting it to, um, I'll take, just take my example. So I had, the person who had reached out to me was, for, was the HR lead from the organization. Yep. So I had to really think in terms of what is she, what's her mindset as the, she's the influencer to the decision maker, what's on her mind and what would help her to be able to communicate it to the people who have to make the decision. Um, so that was that was something I had to think about. Um, the other thing was like leveraging support. I had actually reached out to somebody that I know to partner with on this. I didn't know her well, um, but I took a risk and just said, you know what, I just get a good vibe from her. I'd love to partner with her. She has a she had like a similar background, but just in a slightly different space than me. Um, and I felt like we could partner together well. But the cool thing that I didn't realize was she had like a consulting background. So I was able to learn from her as well in terms of the proposal building, like how you know think about how it would convey to the other person the verbiage around it, but also visually, yeah. right? So those were things that were learnings for me that I didn't really think about. And, me, I, and I, per, I, I personally think it was because I was unconscious to it. I have done this work in my corporate life, but it had become so unconscious in my doing that when I started to do it by myself, I almost just felt like I was this kid starting from scratch going, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, and that language comes up a lot as well, I find, for somebody starting out new on your own, this I don't know thing, um, mm -hmm. and kind of telling yourself you know more than you think you know. And you have to be your own cheerleader. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but you have to start telling yourself different truths about yourself because it is very easy for the negative thoughts to come in about what you don't know. Well, you're not good at that. No one's going to buy it. No one's going to, you know, all those things are such a natural flow that you have to counter that. And I would say that that's something from an entrepreneurship piece. Uh, it's every day, like you have to do that. It's not, we hear, we, I think the thing is we always hear about people when they've accomplished something, when they've achieved. We, 
need to hear more about they didn't get there automatically. It's just a very few people who got there really quickly. Yep. Most have worked hard for years. And even when I think about when I worked with a lot of business um, people starting off businesses in my previous life, um, one thing we would always say is a minimum three years before you see any profits coming through. And so I have to keep telling myself that's as well to be like, you know, set minimum. That's not to say it has to be that, but set yourself the expectation that you're going to feed into your business a lot more at the beginning than you're going to see anything come out. So, you know, thinking about finances, those are other things for as an entrepreneur, like we had to make adjustments in our life, like lifestyle, our expenses. We were pretty good actually about living below our means, you know, like not living beyond it. So, yeah. So it wasn't a, a complete stretch for us, but, but yeah, like you certainly are like, well, we have to adjust that. We have to stop doing that. And so, those are challenges for entrepreneurship that I, I think sometimes when we think about, oh, I'm starting off something new, we don't think about those things. And so I, I don't say that to stop somebody from doing, getting into trying something on your own, because when it's in you, like it's going to call out to you all the time. Um, but be thoughtful, right? Like it doesn't have to mean that you don't completely have to check out everything and just jump into it. So as much as I talk about these challenges, I would say I am most often excited. Like that is for the most part, that's how I feel about things, even if I'm discouraged. Um, and that's just because I just have this like of what I want to do. It's something I've wanted to do for years. And maybe that's part of it. It's just, it's been there with me for a long time. Um, and so, so there's more excitement than anything else. I'm always learning. I'm always recognizing um, opportunities for where I could do better. Um, and, and just stuff like this, like, like, for example, you and I connecting, Anthony, like we just connected because through LinkedIn, like you just start connecting with people that you've probably in other ways may have never caused, crossed paths with. And mm-hmm. I love that. It's, ex- it's expanding me in a space in that way that I was getting comfortable in, in my corporate life. So, so it is a, a shift for me, but I'm really excited about it because I just know that what I'm going to learn, what's going to happen next is going to be really cool in the long run. Well, let me. Well, first of all, that was a that was a very in depth, great answer. <laughs> the <laughs> best, the best one, probably. I've I've interviewed, I think, um, I want to say one or two other consultants, and uh, definitely was not that in depth. So I appreciate that, and and that's really honestly an issue I have with a lot of people overall that are jumping into entrepreneurship. They just make it, like you said, they make it such a broad, uh, a broad transition, or they give such yeah. a broad answer. But let me let me ask you this because. I'm looking to, and I'm and I'm very open to saying the reason why I'm doing this. I'm very I'm 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 looking to, I'm looking to transition into, not showing off, but trying to expand on more business topics to try to expand the the audience of this podcast because, mm-hmm. um, one and, and I'll give this tip to you, but I to the I'll 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 do this. I'm going to ask you the question first, and then I'll give you more context. So sure. I want to I want to know. Think of any question as I'm talking here. Think of any question that you've been pondering or that you may have that uh, that you just want to put out into the atmosphere that maybe somebody will listen to this and, and answer for you, or maybe I personally can answer on the spot. Mm. But um, that that can help you in your business or help you at all. Um, but as you're thinking about that, I'll tell you kind of why I'm doing this. I've been I've been thinking about 
my audience and and this is again probably another tip to you as well mm-hmm. um, a mentor once told me a long time ago from a content perspective that you want to be thoughtful about expanding the types of content that you put out to the world to the people that may know a decision maker or that may know a person that knows a person that may find this valuable to share that content or that may have an audience that you want to tap into, right? Mm. So a lot of my content has been around leadership and HR and employee experience and all the things that I know well, but I've really left out a lot of my, my, my branding, my marketing, my pure business, my partnership content, because I felt like this isn't really that type of a podcast, but I was like, wait, CEOs may listen to this. Wait, a sales director may come across this. Wait, uh, a partnership, direct, you know, people, other people in the business may come across this. And mm-hmm. if I can bring value to them, they may naturally scroll down the other 40, 50, 60 episodes that I have here and decide to share that along to someone. And that's just how life works. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, that's kind of the reason why I'm asking, is there any any business, because again, the, my second business was a consultancy, um, wasn't as successful as my first, but uh, things went well for about two and a half years. So is there any advice, any tips, any questions that I may be able to answer for you? And if I can't, at least it will be out into the world. And maybe at some point you'll get a LinkedIn, LinkedIn message saying, hey, I heard you on this podcast. Here's the answer. Hmm. That's a really good question. Any question that I want answered? Oh. Or anything that you've been thinking about that you would like to have someone expand a little bit more on or any anything you want to hear that maybe someone has an out-of-the-box perspective on it? Mm. Well, I am always... I'm always... Um, intrigued and interested to learn about how like different ways that people network. Right. Um, I, I think that's a really valuable piece, especially for an entrepreneur. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think that's definitely a, a conversation point or a question. And I mean, I don't know if it's a, yeah, I guess it's a question like, you know, what are different ways? Like certainly there's like, you know, Obviously, there's things like LinkedIn and you can go to events and things like that. But yeah. I'm always when I hear about people talking about how they are making connections and, and and I don't even mean so much about where do you go and what are the events that might be part of it. But I'm curious, like, you know, do what's you know, do you have a kind of a thought process around how you yeah. do it? Are you more looking at, you know, the who that I contact with and then you think about where I go? Um, or are you just like, you know what, I just go and I don't really think too much about that. I just go and do um, so I'm always curious to hear about that because I feel that's an opportunity. That's an area that I want to always keep forefront for me. Cause like, yep. as I said, it's really easy when you are an entrepreneur for it to be a one woman or one man show or whatever, right? Like a one person show. It's just so easy to do that. Um, but that's, that's a big miss. <laughs> I've got an answer a little yeah. bit. And then I also, I've heard you say the one woman, one man show a few times. So I have another answer or suggestion around that. Yeah. Um, and then we'll move on to some of the, the more juicy conversations. Um, so the first answer I have for the networking aspect. Yeah, so me personally, I am very thoughtful about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about like, and that's why I brought up whether it's a C, like I, I think about, like literally the type of person in their profession and their personality or where they may, I think about, I, I am very thoughtful about that before I even think about where they may be. 
Um, right. Uh, and so I, I literally list that out. So I have like a whole document where I like write all the people that I need to connect with and the reasons of why I need to connect with them. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I do is I have like, I have like a mindset that I've now cultivated that I'm super comfortable with that I will, I'm sure that you will be open to, or you may, you may already be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so from a networking perspective, I don't think you are in the, I don't think, I mean, obviously you're in consulting right now. So like doing like an internship or shadowing isn't something that you need to do anymore since you have so much experience, mm-hmm. but I would, I would under, I would, I would, if I were you, I would take that mindset of why someone internships or shadows and mm-hmm. I would then translate it to uh, the speaking world and the consulting world. What I mean by that is if I were you, um, I would be reaching out to every and every podcast you can think of in the business, marketing, and leadership world and mm-hmm. find a way to put a spin on what you do to bring value to that world. Um, Interesting. Uh, yeah, if I were you, I would I would have a goal of 2020 to get on 100 podcasts if I were you personally. Hmm. Um, I would be a guest on 100 different podcasts um, in all different sectors. So in the marketing sector, giving your two takes on how leadership and what you do can have an effect on that world pure business sector that is a really easy transition for you and then obviously podcasts like this that are more focused around the hr leadership employee mm-hmm. experience employee gaping space um two reasons for that number one immediately get you me and you will always have um a relationship whether it's active or or not as active it will not like i will be able to message you six months from now and it won't be odd or out of the box right right there were all and and now that we've built this glue in this foundation, if I have a you know somewhat reasonable ask, you will consider it much faster than you would a, a random stranger. Right. Um, that's number one. So that will give you an option to to do that. Um, and then even when you're reaching out to people, I'll be very thoughtful about again since you're in the consulting space. I'll be very thoughtful about um, like for example, there are podcasts. There are podcast leaders that are like running podcasts around HR tech, like, mm-hmm. the, like, the, like the tech. And you yeah. know that their listeners are those HR leaders that eventually could be a client of yours. Yeah. So I'd be super thoughtful about that. Um, and then also what I would do is if I were you, I would do free. And I say, and I'm serious when I say that, I would say I would do free. And if you and your husband can stretch it financially, I would find different ways to literally travel to do free speaking events in a in a fireside chat style. So let mm. me explain this. This is very different than a normal keynote. I've turned down three recently because I don't do normal keynotes because number one, I suck at them because it's <laughs> it's memorized. Too structured. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and then number two, it's the worst type of value you can bring to that audience in my personal opinion Mm -hmm. because you cannot get into the nuances and examples of the gray areas of actual business you get into the macro general conversations right you you, like if you ever watch a keynote if you ever been to like a a linkedin chat or like if you look at a tedx they're very general right very scripted it's like a you're it's like you're watching a a play or like a like it's a it's this whole theme right it's the it's the theatrics of it right I'm going to go on the record here. People are going to hate me. That brings me zero value. <laughs> like 
like if we want to get into like the, the deep nuances of it, that brings me no value. Like, right. yes, it may bring me some motivation and give me some frameworks to be thoughtful on, but it doesn't give me any legitimate value. Right. So what I've done is um, you can do this at schools because um, you those those kids in that classroom will eventually, and I know this is a little bit out of the box, but I, I want you to think long term, will eventually be um, – HR representatives inside of companies that may be a change agent and an influencer for you at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, you can obviously do these at all different types of small little incubators and, and meetups and um, uh, 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 SHRM organizations, as well as like, um, I'm not sure what they have in Canada there, but I'm sure there are environments where there are HR leaders and business people and marketing people overall that are congregating and meeting together. I would put yourself out there and say, I want to do a, a keynote, but I want to do a fireside chat. Right. That means you, the the presenter, are sitting down with me and asking me questions that have already been generated and polled from the audience and that are in your brain for you to test my knowledge. This right. will give you the best opportunity to expand at a deep level on topics, very similar to a podcast. Thus, someone will actually get to know your personality and hear the the deep inner workings of what you know. Right. And then, and then it will look, wow, she's very thoughtful. She's very smart. I like the way she's thinking this a hundred percent works for me. Yeah. That's great. Um, no, that's awesome. Yeah. I know that was pretty deep, but those are two strategies uh, that I personally would do because I'm doing them. But if I were yeah. you, I would definitely do them because you're a little bit different than me. You already have a consultancy. So, um, that's a great idea. And I, what I like about how you positioned it is like you kind of are looking at this as a way to connect with people as yeah. far as I'm understanding, not just a matter of like delivering your content. Because for me, um, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, networking sometimes has a bad rap because it sounds like, well, let me swap my card with you. What can you do for me? What can I do for, you know, and it's it's like it's actually more for me. What resonates is actually making connections with people. Yeah. Yes, like they're meaningful connections. Like they're not just random things either. Um, so this is cool. Like this is a different different way to approach that is being able to add value as part of making that connection. That's and awesome. Think, and, and definitely, and, and I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to reach out to you in three months. Definitely, <laughs> okay. Definitely activate the podcast tip and definitely activate the the fireside chat style of a keynote. It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit of an awkward conversation because you're you're gonna have to be the one that pushes it to that point um but i get the sense based off of talking to you briefly here and then last time we chatted that that style would bode well for you yeah i i'm yeah i think that would be i never thought about doing it that way um but i like it like I, it's different it's a q a conversation and it, yeah and then it shows again the biggest thing is it shows people your personality and that's yeah. how you get clients because they want to connect. Oh, I really like her. Like those the people that you actually know what you're talking about. Yes. Anyone can get up there and memorize over two months preparing for a keynote, a 15 minute slide. Yeah. That I've always, people always say, you're an asshole. Why do you have to call me? <laughs> you know, whatever. I, I'll be the guy. Anyone can memorize that. Yes. You know, so. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, the purpose of the keynote is what you said is like, you're looking for, it's for that, it, it's for that motivation, right? It's that external motivation. But if you're somebody 
who's and there are times in our life where we need that or we want that yes uh, but to your point there you seem like you're in a place in your life where you're like okay i have enough of an internal driver in me that i don't need that external motivation what i would rather have is a conversation because then i can pick your brain i can kind of we can actually dialogue about something right because yeah. that creates a different like that's more of a collaborative thing because you don't need that motivation right now in your life where someone else might be in a place where they're like i need that i need a kickstart to help me going yep you're spot on. Um, so yeah, those two tips I would personally uh, probably give to you that are kind of centralized around networking. Awesome. No, that's great. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, let's get into some stuff here. Um, I, I was looking through some of your content there and yeah. I was, I saw something that said taking the panic out of upward, up, upward feedback. Yes. Um, Walk, walk me through that. Give me the, give me like the macro thesis around that. And then let's kind of dive in. I'm sure I'll have some thoughts around that once you get going. For sure. Well, I hope we get into a conversation about feedback here then overall, not just upward feedback. Cause what I, from experience, like my own experience, and I can just probably, I have a feeling what I'm going to say, you probably say, yep, I agree as well. It, it's for me, it starts with just feedback in and of itself, that word. That word has become something that we have automatically attached to something that is either negative or constructive criticism, like that's what we look at it as. And until we kind of are able to see it a little bit differently, we'll always hesitate to actually live in a place where we can actually give feedback, get input from people and so on. And what I realized with when I was, um, putting that, that article out about the upward feedback, I had actually done one probably a few months earlier that had to do with feedback just in terms of, and I called it the F word, right? Like to say, to say, you know, it's just, it's prickly, right? And so how do we start to have conversations that take some of the edge off of it? Yeah. And you can't take the edge off of something until you actually do it and you don't and get comfortable with it. So it's this kind of a cycle of doing to get better, to be intentional and so on. Um, my kind of the, so at a high level, my, one of the things that really resonated with me this year, and I've talked about it a few times is, um, the book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you know what, I, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it I or know not. of it. I haven't read it. Okay. So I would highly recommend it. It's like, it's, it's one of those books that, you know, I don't always necessarily say, oh, I recommend this. Like, this is a book I, I really recommend it. It's, it has a very you know, to use your words, it gives you both the macro and the micro level. It gives you not just here's, it gives you the why around it, also gives you the how around it, which oh. is great for, especially if you're starting out, right? You may be like, I don't really know, look, how do I position this? How do I do this? And so she gives both of those and I loved it for that. And and she speaks it through a place of very much of her own experience where she did it poorly and she also did it well. And I mm. appreciate that because it could see both the good and the bad in it. So with the upward feedback, like I said, it started with uh, an article I wrote or earlier, which had to just do with feedback and a, and a model around that and what might be a process you can use. And a really familiar process that's, you know, that's been around for a while is that situation, behavior, impact, and then what's an alternative. You know, that's kind of a model that's, I would say, is probably the foundation for most of the models that are out there for giving feedback. Mm-hmm. But what I realized was that, you know, part of the issue for giving feedback is not necessarily always around a process, right? Like, yes, that might be part of it. Like sometimes we don't do something because we don't have the knowledge around it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or, you know, and you need to build those skills. But then other times we don't do it is because we're just like the anticipation of the conversation creates such a level of like emotional anxiety that it's just easier just not to have it. And that happens more often when you have to give feedback upwards. And we, so when we think about developing future leaders, you cannot wait till you are a leader to be practicing these sorts of skills. Like, I think it's important for us all, we are all leaders in our lives. Like you as an individual lead your life. And so the, I, this idea of feedback and being able to give feedback and being able to receive it with grace as well um, is, is an important skill set to have early. And so the upward feedback creates a lot of anxiety. And so what happens is because of that anxiety, then I may just talk myself out of it. I'm like, oh, you know, okay, I know this didn't jive with me about what Anthony did or how he approached it. Uh, it's bothering me. But now the anxiety of having that conversation with him is bothering me even more. So I'll just rationalize. I'll talk out of it and say, you know what, maybe I'll let it go. And if it happens again, then I'll do something about it. And when you and say so, upwork, you're, 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 you're referring to, you know, a, a mid-level employee, you know, giving feedback to a manager, correct? That's right. Going upwards to their leader, right? Yeah. Or, or if you want to take it into, you know, you, upwards might be like, you know, if someone's like, well, I don't really, I'm not, I'm not in that space. I don't have a leader. Well, what about a coach? Um, what about an educator, right? Like, it's like, it's just going to whoever you think is, you know, kind of sits in a higher authority figure to you. Um, and so, so that anxiety around it is, is a challenge. Um, so what I've recognized is that the anxiety never really goes away, right? Even let's say I'm like, okay, I'll wait till the next time it happens. Well, the next time it happens now, I'm even more pissed off about it. And I'm still anxious about it. And I just like, I keep, I keep like bottling it up, bottling up until I blow up at a time that makes no sense yeah. whatsoever. And so then it's a missed opportunity for me and a missed opportunity for my leader or, or whoever else, whoever I'm looking to go, let's like, give that upward feedback to. So um, what, what helps with that sort of anxiety is to actually why don't we just play it out, like play it out in your mind. And that's where that idea of that if then uh, approach came in and so that's again not my approach it's something that um no i get it yeah it's it's something that um actually uh mel robbins writes about in her five second rule that book and so she talks about this idea of like how do you kind of have those conversations but then also remove the anxiety around it and so for me when i think about feedback and the reason i brought up radical candor was because you know the whole thing about giving feedback is it starts, it's all about the relationship. So if you start from a place of caring about somebody, you care about somebody, if you care about them, then you will challenge them. It's when you don't care about them and you care about yourself more, that you're not willing to have that difficult conversation. So if we can change that perspective to say, you know what, I care about the business. I care about my leader. I care about my development. So for that reason, I need to have this conversation. Can, so can to I work, pause you real quick? Sure. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't, I wanted to try to try to find that soft spot to, to pause you. Um, yeah. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna. Because I wanna key on something really, really fast here. Sorry about that. No. Um, so you said something that was interesting. You said you know that it that it comes from a place of caring, and that's kind of how it starts of, of mm-hmm. kind of the mindset you need to have to be able to kind of get over the fear of of having those difficult conversations. You have to come from a place of love and a place of care. Yeah. To, to actually want to have those conversations, right? Yeah. Let me not, this isn't pushing back against you or the overall concept, but let me, let me, let's have a slight little conversation and then jump back into this about 
the other side of the table, right? Sure. I've always been a big fan of parents, of, of analyzing why children love their parents. Children love their parents because their parents love them first. Right. right? I'm a big fan, and I, and I actually, you know, I don't think I don't think there should be any other way. But a lot of leaders, I feel like, they had this entitlement where they feel like the employee should love them first because the <laughs> employee should be so thankful that they decided to give them a paycheck to be able to put food on the table for their for their <laughs> kids and their family, be able to pay their rent or their mortgage. Like they should be so grateful for this opportunity. When really, I think it should be the other way around because mm. if you really want to look into the data, the leverage that the employee has over the manager is 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 mind-boggling. Like the yeah. employee they have millions of different jobs or brands. Realistically, if you want to talk about being flexible, being able to work anywhere in the world, you really can go, you can navigate through any country, any state and work a job. Realistically, if you really want to talk about the data, right? Right. As a man, you're, this is your only brand. So you need these people. And so they have more of an ability to leave than you do. The last time I checked, you're probably not going to leave your brand. Mm-hmm. So, so, so talk to me about how that leader can make the employee actually feel comfortable enough to love them because they, as a leader, should be loving them first and building that emotional glue where it shouldn't be an awkward conversation. It shouldn't be uncomfortable to give feedback upwards, right? I I hear what you're saying about the employee, and I definitely think you're, you're barking up the right tree because there's a lot of employees that are very uncomfortable or nervous, but what I want to talk about a little bit is the psychology around why are they uncomfortable? Are they uncomfortable because Tom is an asshole and he's mm-hmm. rude and he's built an uncomfortable atmosphere? Or are they uncomfortable because there's just a natural anxiety that comes with giving feedback upward, which I'm sure there is. But, you know, talk to me if you have any thoughts on kind of the reverse of it and what a leader should be doing first to build that atmosphere to make it comfortable because that's kind of I've always been on that kick yeah yeah I you know I'm 100% the responsibility of creating that environment like as a leader you carry the responsibility more like that is 100% the case so that's why if you like even this this uh, when I wrote about upward feedback that was a a part two to the first one which was about the process of feedback which was speaking more to now you as the leader being able to give feedback. Um, so yes, it starts from, okay, let's talk about an ideal world, okay? In an ideal world, all things working perfectly, you have a leader who has created an environment where they care about their individual, about their teams, and they care about their teams by building relationship with them. And relationship, obviously, I mean, I don't want to super generalize this, but that comes with conversations, with learning about people, understanding what works for them. What are they looking for in their in their um, career paths? What's happening in their personal lives? Like, that's how you build care and you build relationships. So in an ideal world, that's the environment with which, where we're starting. And as part of that, as a leader, first and foremost, I seek feedback. So I create an environment for this to be normal by asking and knowing that when I first start to ask people are probably going to give me like this candied version of oh you know I think we need to shorten this up a little you know like it's just like your really airy fairy kind of feedback is probably what you'll get and as a leader my responsibility being to say okay 
what else? And to challenge that to say, like, I know 100% I'm not perfect. I know 100% like I could do things better. And I know that I'm not the personality for everybody. So it's not possible that I'm everybody on my team's that team thinks that there's nothing to improve. There's nothing I could do better. Um, so it starts there. It starts from creating that sort of an environment and creating a place where this is normal for us to do. Like we talk about like giving guidance, giving input, giving feedback is just a normal thing that we do. And my leader has made it very normal to do it. Um, and so that starts like, so it starts by asking and receiving, creating more of a place for that and how I process it, what I do with that feedback so that it's not just like, okay, no, thanks, Anthony. And I do nothing with it. Um, that those are the things that show that I actually care about yeah. what you think, what you have to say. Then as I create that environment, then I also make it normal for you to receive it from me as well. Like I have to demonstrate, you know, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, care in the way I deliver, deliver the feedback, you know, and, and, and so then it becomes a reciprocal thing. And then our, and then we start to create the environment where, Hey, Anthony, like the, the feedback is not just between you and I, it's like, what about the team? So that the team gets comfortable having those conversations with each other. And so in building that dynamic, what we're doing is we've created that environment where this is okay to do. And it started with me as the leader. So that's the perfect world in which we would operate. Yep. But we know that that's not the perfect world, right? Like we know that not like, for example, the I think we forget the anxiety of a leader. We forget the anxiety of the team. Like they, everybody is like human beings trying to make this work. And, and to understand that is also part of it. Like we know where we want to be and in an ideal state where we want to be. That's how it is. And always, always the greater responsibility for that lies with the leader. If you're going to be a shitty leader and you expect this amazing amount of love coming across from everybody, that is not happening. Like it's just not reality. The people yeah. that you'll have there are people who will never speak out. Um, and you'll just have a bunch of yes people on your team who are miserable, who are unhappy. Um, you, so, so yeah, so that's kind of never going to work that way, at least in the long term, it won't work that way. It, you might get short-term successes and short-term um, things could work, but not in the long term. Um, yeah, so the responsibility, I agree with you. And I love the word that you use there, emotional glue, to create that is really the responsibility of the leader. The reason I created that part two of it is because I'm a strong believer that let's look at people who are, there's going to be a lot of people in your audience who are up and coming leaders. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really like to share with people is, you know, you need to own responsibility for your life as well. In the sense that if you do have a terrible leader and you have a leader who's not creating an environment for safety to have these conversations, I am like, that sucks. Like that is a terrible place to be. Um, that does not take away from you the responsibility to yourself, to your own development, to be like, just because my leader is that way, how do I know now what I don't want to do? So what do I need to do to create an environment for myself that I, I'm demonstrating the behaviors that I want to see? So that's kind of where this is partly to say, how do we take ownership? Because I cannot wait till I'm in a perfect spot to think about developing to be the person I want to be. These are things that I have to think about right now. And so what will end up happening as I do that is I will start to shape my environment. And some of that might be that I'm like, you know what? I can't work. I cannot work in this team anymore for this leader. And that might mean I move or might mean the leader moves, right? Like yeah. it, 
you know, those environments will shift because you start to draw people. You, the thing is, you will start to capture the attention of the people that are drawn to you. You'll start to, that's what will start to happen because you can't help but attract you. Like we attract what we want to attract, right? Like that's what we end up doing. And we're attracted to who we want to be attracted to. So, so the, the way we respond, the way we choose to take responsibility. So that's why I would say, Yes, the leader owns the greater responsibility, 100%. But that is not to take away from us as team members. So, for example, if even as even that leader, for example, has a leader that he or she is re- like is speaking into, and who knows what kind of a leader that person is, and this leader might be choosing, unfortunately, to respond in a way that is not like that's not helping them grow. Yeah. And so yes, that has a downward impact on your team, but. The team, like, I, and I think that's where if you're developing to be a leader, you'll start, you'll just start to pick up that I need to, I also need to operate differently. And if that means I'm pushing out a little bit against the norms, that's what I'm doing. But at least that way I'm being true to who I know I need to be. And that's care like that. And that's care for you. It, it's care for the organization. It's care in an odd way, I guess, for your leader too, but it's also care for yourself. It's care for your own development. I think people need to care about those things and you can't wait for a perfect leader to do that. A thousand percent. Let me, let me do this. Let me give, um, let me give a tip again, maybe not uh, the most friendly tip out there to any leader that is having the issue of, uh, of building that, you know, building that emotional glue, having those, uh, you know, having those people that are inside of your organization that truly understand that you are there for them and that you love them and care about them first, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and then, and what I want to do also is dive a little bit more into feedback, like you were suggesting. Um, the tip that I'm going to give and and kind of the the message that I'm going to send is this: I want every leader listening to this to understand that if you are rude or if you are having uh, these very traditional feedback type conversations and that you are making the the relationship between you and that employee very traditional and very old school and very tight and very uncomfortable. If these are things that you're doing, number one, um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to kind of be cognizant of that. So just very at a, at a very simple level, uh, just take a moment and, and think about if that is you. If the answer is yes, like if any part of your body says yes, probably me. What I, because here that I have is a lot of people like me, they kind of give a lot of general information and tips to leaders saying, hey, employee experience matters, empathy matters, loving your employees matter. And, and, and they say these things at a very general level and they don't dive into the psychology of a human. And mm. so the next step I would do if I was you as a leader is I would, look into like your childhood, your parents, previous leaders that you worked for when you were an intern, just getting out of college, like look into who shaped your overall framework and mindset around how, how a leader should look, how they should talk, how they should dress, how they should navigate through the world of life from a professional lens and try to figure out if you can start to unwrap that right like un like like refocus and redesign the way that you're looking at the world as it pertains to leadership i was listening to a gary v podcast this morning and he made it very simple he was like it literally just comes down to common sense and treating other people the way that you want to be treated like Mm -hmm. these these common 
themes that have been that have been kind of pushed out to the world from our parents to our grandparents and all these things that we've heard as kids are actually core themes that we should think about as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know that was a little bit heady, but it's it's a tip that a friend gave to me recently that I thought was so interesting about something completely different. He was saying, hey, like, why not, instead of like you trying to, to kind of push and motivate yourself to change, try to take a step back and go back into your childhood, go back into your parents, go back into the leaders maybe that you had around you, some of the adults you had around you. I think that that same tip can be translated to a leader. Go back to those first four or five managers that you worked for. Go back to, again, your parents. Go back to what you were maybe watching on TV as you as you were looking at the business world and how people act there or how people, you know, go back to those examples and just ask yourself at a simple level, does this make any sort of sense? And did at any point it make me feel comfortable? Mm. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but that was just something that uh, is so interesting. I was just having this conversation recently about this and I don't think anybody has ever pushed a leader to think of it that way. Yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you brought up kind of thinking about what have you been surrounded with? What are the messages that you grew up with? What's the styles that, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a great way to think about, because the thing is we are always, we're always living out our past, I feel. Like, so Mm -hmm. our behaviors are always shaped by something that happened, you know, we did or someone did to us or those behaviors, they're always shaped by that. So unless we are reflective enough to step back and go, okay, wait a minute, why do I always approach this this way? Yep. Like, why is that? Um, and if I, yeah, so in a sh- short like thing, I, I love what you said because it's causing a point of reflection. And if there's something that leaders need to do consistently is reflect, like and just that, take time yeah. to reflect and kind of be like my, your wise, like, you know, step back. Why am I approaching it this way? How, like just, and, and it's, yeah, like it's that, it's that idea of mindfulness, I suppose, or just like opportunity. And um, you could do it daily. It doesn't have to be a complicated process to do. Like, cause I don't want to make it sound like it's some sort of something airy fairy that way. Uh, yeah. But just, just, it's, it's such an important thing. So I love what you said about taking a step back. And if, can I just add something to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You share, you know, one thing that can happen when, uh, when you, when you said like, you know, leaders ask yourself this question and if you are a leader and you and you take that advice and you kind of ask yourself that question and you're questioning, you're doing a bit of a reflection and so, and you may come across and you think, well, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm doing this. I feel like I'm showing up in a great way, <laughs> but I'm not really sure whether, you know, what the reaction is. Uh, if you, if you want to create a place, if you feel that even if you're saying the word, I don't know right now, I would say you're probably in somewhat of a receptive phase of in a place to actually be like, okay, what can I do? How can I uncover that? If I would say this is your opportunity to actually go and find out, like go ask people to give you some feedback and be, be very, um, be brutally honest with yourself as you receive that feedback, because if this is something new, then the first levels of feedback you'll get are going to be super whitewashed. Like they're going to be like super clean and, you know, like just like very high level. Um, So you need to, you need to actually, so that might be something that might be how your employees respond to you, but you need to, I would say, don't stop there. Um, uh, One of the exercises that I did, it's, I guess it's similar to like a 360, but you don't have to do it just with work. Like you can reach out to people, you know, who won't lie to you. Uh, who'll be brutally honest with you like your friends you have some peers and then your own leaders and and get engaged to find out like how 
how are people receiving you? Like you may be wanting to show up a certain way, but they're experiencing you differently than you want to. Uh, and you need some honest, and this is where why that it's a caring thing. People who care about you will tell you. So find the people who care about you and don't stop there. Because I think that question that Anthony's posed is a really, really good one from a development perspective. Let me, let me ask you this. So, cause I know you said you wanted to touch a little bit more on feedback. Um, so let's dive a little bit deeper into the best practices and ways to do that. Um, I have this perspective, but you're more of an expert than me, but um, I have this thing called like strategic empathy. And it's probably like, I'm probably using that the wrong way, but um, pretty much I have this kind of this philosophy where, you know, when a leader is giving feedback to an employee, you know, I, I think it's helpful if before they decide to give that feedback, they're being very thoughtful about that employee's personal perspective, strengths, weaknesses, who they are as a human. Um, I, I think those variables are key mm. to make that feedback fit fit the mold of who that employee is. I think because because I because I've been in part of situations where leaders have given me feedback in this very traditional, you know, macro framework that they gave to every other employee, right? Mm. Like the, like the tonality of words that they the words that they, you know, they said to me, um, you know, the different, the, the, the answers to the, the questions that maybe I had were very traditional and the same. Um, and, and I, and I don't, I don't think that's always the best way to go. Hmm. Uh, so give me your thoughts on that. And then also just dive into like a little bit more of the best practices around how uh, a leader should give feedback to an employee to really make it stick and, and make a change. Hmm. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, something that you should kind of like kind of sparked into curiosity. In me. Yeah, yeah. You talked about like when you talk about traditional feedback or traditional method, like what 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 do you talk? What are you speaking to when you're saying that? Uh, like, or what uh, did or maybe what didn't resonate for you when like what was seeming as traditional to you? That's interesting because um, I kind of said that as a, like a macro statement, but let yeah. me think for like an actual example. Um putting me on a spot here let me think um oh, dude uh because i have them um i'm i'm stumping here you put me on the spot and, I, and <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry just, i didn't mean to i didn't no, mean to no, put no. you on the spot i was just uh curious because <laughs> because i'm such a person that hates macro statements and i just made one and now oh. I'm give an example. <laughs> um i guess i can't give an actual example but i can give like a scenario i guess sure. like yeah um, like for example, I've been like marketing directors and like, uh, and like sales strategy leaders in like medical, medical places, like uh, physical therapy companies, okay, pain yeah. management companies. And, uh, the feedback they gave to me, like the tactics were like, were, were just so generic. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, actually I can give you an example now, mm -hmm, like they'll tell me, um, try to make it connection with the uh with the front desk lady and, and give her the same like these, these donuts or like like and this is probably a bad example but like like the tips like the like the tactics like the the, the way that they wanted me to communicate and the strategies uh -huh. were very generic and and never fit my style and I and I felt gotcha. like they never they were never open enough to hear 
the way that I would like to do it and find a way for us mm. to mesh those two viewpoints. Gotcha. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by very generic. Now, that tip that I just gave was really bad, but um, I'm sure I'm sure that can be applicable to any industry. I'm sure they're like, you know what I mean? Like core feedback that leaders have developed as a habit over the years of doing something that they've given to thousands of employees yeah. in the last 20 years. Yeah. And they're not taking into consideration the context of that particular employee that they're talking to so that that feedback can actually stick and thus they can actually make change. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds like in the scenario that you shared, it's like you're, you're, the sense that you're not feeling understood. Like yes. it's not connecting for you. Yeah, no, I understand. Yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I really do like the word that you used. And I, I think I understand what you meant by strategic empathy. I, I, I think I understand, but just the word empathy makes sense, right? Like yeah. from a leader's perspective, I mean, just from a human perspective, like I think sometimes we kind of put leaders in this other pedestal. But I like what you said earlier about common sense. Like just think about life. Right. Like if you want to build relationships with people, you want to you know, collaborate with a friend on something, you do that. Like there's relationship and you build relationship by getting to know people kind of, you know, what is important to them, what's going on in their life. And I feel sometimes I don't know what it is. Like sometimes we think about leadership as something different to that. And it really isn't it. You're, it's just in a different, it's a different kind of relationship building that's happening. It's just a context has changed, but it's still the same thing. So when I think about feedback, um, this idea of if, and I'll, I'll do my best to kind of like how you define the strategic empathy versus the, versus the traditional way or how I understood it. In the end, I'm going to come back to it. It feedback. It is about that care and challenge. Like, that's what it's about. Like, if you, you have to be able to um, understand that the reason why you are giving the guidance or the input or the feedback is because you care about the person, you care about the outcomes of your team, you care about your organization. So to not have that conversation is to show that you don't care about that person. Mm -hmm. So the process you may follow, uh, you know, there's so many different models. There's so many different processes you can follow. In the end, it is about the person. And so what, when I think about like, so for me, that's the first thing is yes, it's exactly what you said. It's about like, understand the person. Like you want to understand your team. You need to like that, that part of your life or the way you operate in that people space gets heightened to a higher level whenever you have people leadership any sort of responsibility for people it just that's just a needed that's something that's needed and so in that in that sort of a place that's how you start with that that feedback now the the thing with feedback though is yes it starts with care and with you know that care and challenge is, is a key part of it the whole thing about feedback is it's about how it lands with the other person so yeah. how they understand it so it's not so much, I think a lot of times we spend a lot of time thinking about how am I going to communicate it? Am I, is it sounding, like, am I saying it this way? Am I saying, and it's kind of thinking about it happens at the listener's ear because the whole point of feedback isn't just that I get it off my chest. Feedback usually is like, okay, it's action oriented. There's something that we're looking to make a change on or to have a conversation on. on. So how it lands with you, how you list, like how you uh, receive it is important. And I think that's where I think you had asked me a question, I think at one point about like, 
the receive. I had, I think I had done a poster on like, you know, what's the reception. And that's what it was about. It's like how it gets received is important. That doesn't mean agreement. And I think we confuse the two. Understanding and agreeing are two different things. Yes. The point of feedback is that does the person understand what was said and why, why it was said? Like, why is this feedback coming? The how of it, we can work through. Like, the, what do we need to do differently? But it's important that as a leader, your team can understand when you had, that there's no confusion that feedback was provided, like whether it was constructive criticism or it was a positive, like there should never be confusion around that. Um, and they should understand like specifically like the concrete, like why are you praising me or why are you like, why are we having this conversation about something that needs to shift? So it's about uh, the list, what's happening for the listener. And for that, again, understanding the person and stuff is important. Now, again, real life, you may be a leader. Let's say you've just stepped into this leadership role with a team that you've inherited. So it's not even a team that you've built from scratch. Um, you step in and let's say within the first couple of weeks or something, you guys are working through a major project, a major initiative, and you have an, uh, a team member who um, the way they approached the client in the, in the client meeting or the way they carried out the, how they delivered the message, you feel like there was a better way to do that. You have not had the benefit or the luxury of relationship yet. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you've been building a little bit, a little bit, right? But not the luxury of necessarily, you know what, I, I know this person and I know what's happening with them. I know, I know how they think, how they are, but you don't have that luxury. You cannot wait till you have that relationship before you deliver the feedback because that is not caring because this person has to continue to meet with the client. This person has to continue to do the work. So you still have to give the feedback. And I think that's where, for me, some of this is a journey. And that's where... Um, if you, that's where having a, a, a process to help you with it, it's not about dehumanizing it, but just like think about, be very clear on, I need to make sure that, you know, this individual understands why I'm having this conversation with them, what the issue is. And then, so that's where that's, that situation, what's the situation? So it was at that team meeting that we were at, like, you know, what's the behavior? Well, I noticed that you, it didn't seem like you were prepared. Um, you kind of had a couple of the slides were missing and this is one of our biggest clients. And I just felt like it, to me, it felt like there was a missing preparation. And so I was a little bit concerned about whether we were going to, how the client was going to respond to that. So I've gone through situation behavior impact impact is talking about me. Like I was worried, I was concerned, you know, and then, then we can talk about, okay, so tell me, Anthony, like what, what, what happened? And so now we can have the conversation. So what I'm not doing is prescribing to you. Here's what you should do. Here's what you, cause you may come back and say, actually, Nancy, I had a, I had a personal issue happen last night and it took me off my game or something came up and I had to kind of, I was up till 4am with my family member. Okay. Now we have, we have like a context around what happened, but it didn't take away from having the conversation with you. Right. So we don't we can't always wait for a perfect relationship. But in doing this, we have built relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. Like so I think that it's, it's a process of understanding. And yes, you have the more context you have, the better it is. You may not always have the context, but that doesn't mean that you can't uncover that. And now we can have a conversation. We can I'm, I'm still having that open conversation with you because you have no you are not walking away with the idea that, oh, that meeting was OK. No, the meeting wasn't okay. Um, but we also now understand there's something happening. 
how can we work through that? Is there something that I can step into to help you before the next meeting? Like, this is how we start to talk about alternatives. So I'm not prescribing something to you, but you also know very clearly that what happened was not the best way that it could happen. We need to do something differently. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. Um, yeah, it makes a total sense. And, and I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it really, everything you're saying kind of goes down to how, I guess, how you can develop that relationship and how you can develop that context and that, and that glue. And, and, and speaking of that, um, because, because again, it, it really is about, for me, sticking on, sticking on that one point of, of, of finding the best way for that feedback to really kick in. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and to really, to really hit home. Do you feel there is value in, and over, let me give you the scenario, right? Cause this is something I've been thinking about for my new role coming up here um, in the new year or already in the new year. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? What do you think? Cause, cause everything I'm hearing you say makes a ton of sense, but for some reason in, in the back of my head, and I guess because of the experience that I've had, but thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm hearing that conversation that she's having with that employee around the presentation or around things that may have happened that evening with the family members or whatever the case is going to be. Mm. But, but I keep thinking about how that can, how that, how, how can we make that conversation more effective long-term by doing some hard work in the beginning stages of becoming a leader when you're joining an, an organization or taking over a new are there things that a leader can do over a 30, 60 day, 60, 90 day period of time when they're working with uh, a team to build that relationship so that when they had those and those feedback conversations, it's done at a much more natural level, right? Are you see, are you kind of getting where I'm going? Yep. Yep. You're talking about the legwork. What legwork can we do so that when it comes time for that, we're having it more effectively? It's an authentic conversation yeah. where the anxiety is taken out of it like that that's probably been the biggest strength that strength that I've ever had yeah um, you know a lot of leaders always told me Anthony you do a great job of building that connection that relationship first so that when you have those tough conversations they're willing to open up to you and tell you what's really going on and be real with you mm-hmm. so do you have any I guess any thoughts around that or any tips for anybody around that yeah um Actually, to be honest, I think I'd love to hear your like your kind of your experience, because obviously you, you know, you've said like your leaders have said you've done a great job with that. So love for you to kind of share as well. Um, You know, there's something that you said that uh, kind of really made me think you said. um, I want where the conversation is authentic and the anxiety is removed my personal experience has been that they're not exclusive. Uh, and, and I can only speak from my experience. So for me, when I've had authentic conversations, they have not always been absent of anxiety. They have had the anxiety in there, but that doesn't mean that the conversation was any less authentic. So Yes, you know, building, building that muscle early and to your point about what can somebody do early on. And I, 
have a feeling this is something that you probably do very well in the roles that you've taken on. Have conversations with people, right? And and I honestly like whether then this is something whether you are a new leader, it's it's especially important. But for anyone who's listening, who's like in the process of, you know, kind of maybe you're an up and coming leader, or you have thoughts around taking that, you know, kind of stepping into that. Um, do that, like have conversations with people, you know, go. So if as a new leader, go one-on-ones with your team is really important. So I would say being, having more of a listening space than a, here's my advice and here's the expertise I have to offer because now I'm sitting in this table at the seat of a leader, kind of put that aside for a bit and just listen because there is a lot of wisdom that sits in your team and you need to figure out how do I harness this? How do I channel this? And how do I help them to kind of explode with this and, and take this to the next level? And to do that, you have to actually be more of a listener and, and kind of, uh, you know, the for early stages, it's more learning. It's more about listening. And that's how you can start to build. But then also share about yourself. So don't just let this be a one way. I want to understand everything about you, but share about yourself to say, you know, this is kind of been my approach. This has been my journey. This is who I am, not just at work, but just about yourself, right? And and that creates a place and an environment for people to feel comfortable to have conversations. And this then kind of takes me back to what I said earlier is part of the early stages is also get people to share like what's working, what's not working, get them to get comfortable to give you feedback and share with them how you operate. You can say, this is how I operate. I want there to be a space that we have these kinds of conversations and I want to be the first to start. So you start with me and make it comfortable for people to do that. And I think the, we get comfortable with things that we do more consistently. And so if this becomes like people start to see you in this way, then they're like, okay, this is cool. Um, one of like in my own experience, like one of the leaders that I had, what I really loved what she did was um, in the first week that she came, like uh, she took on the leadership role, she did this a bit of a, she had this, this list or this, this document that she sent to all of us. It was like a get to know you kind of thing. Right. And first I was just like, okay, but there were questions that weren't like, you know, what's your next role and what are your, like, there were questions that were about me as a person. And I could decide how much of it, how much of the responses that I gave were work-related versus, you know, me outside of work. Like, so kind of rounding out who I am. And then we went and grabbed, like, like some of it was over lunch. Some of us, we did it over coffee. We just kind of chatted about it. And it was an opportunity just as a way for her to know us and us to know her. But it also gave a flavor about her personality, how she approached it. And that was just a launching pad. Like, that was, that was not an isolated conversation those kind of like that behavior continued of the getting to know and then that built trust and then as that built trust then feedback and she was the first to kind of be asking for feedback like all the time and so at first the feedback was very like I said like really super clean and nice but afterwards it started to get like you know and she even said man like some of these things are getting tough like you guys are getting tough with me but we we then just made it okay for it to go back and forth and with the team um but it, it's a process, right? Like it, it's just kind of an ongoing thing. I'm sure there were times and we definitely, I did have an experience where she gave me feedback on something and I did not agree with it, but we talked about it. And I, and it, and I was, and it helped her understand where I was coming from. She helped me understand where she was coming from. And, and then we were able to walk away going, okay, so what do we take it from here? 
right? Like I may disagree with it, but what do we do with this moving forward? But I love that it was uncomfortable. I didn't feel comfortable having that conversation with her, even though I knew that she wasn't going to take it the wrong way. There was still anxiety around it. Um, but it comes from doing. So I think that relationship building is like starts with conversation. And I would say if you're early, be more of a person who's starting having regular conversation with your team and leveraging the wisdom there before you start to say, well, here's how I think we should be running, running with everything. Um, so that would be one of like the, I think the most practical things I could share with someone to take on early. No, you're spot on. I really don't have too much more to add to those, uh, to those examples. Um, you know, me personally, that's something that I've always done. I've always, uh, and this is what I'm planning on doing. That's kind of why I brought it up. Um, mm -hmm. I, I told, I told the CEO, uh, a few days ago when we met, I said, the first 60 to 90 days, I, I'm going to, you're, you're going to see that I'm, I'm not as uh, proactive as you would probably expect. And he was a little taken aback, and he said, what do you mean? I said, I said, I need to learn. And he said, what do you, what do you, what do you need to learn exactly? I said, I need to learn about the nuances, the gray areas, the personalities of each person here from the stakeholders to the, the core employees. I need to kind of understand how people work, like what their natural groove is. I need to understand their personalities. I need to understand where the business is right now. Um, I need to understand a lot of different variables. Now that doesn't mean I'm not still going to have, you know, cause he was like, well, are there going to be any like deliverables? Like, what are you going to be doing? I'm not going to be listening. Um, I mean, I'm not going to be uh, not doing anything and not getting any work done, but um, the majority of my time, 65% of my time throughout my one-on-ones uh, are going to be, are going to be learning and understanding who they are, understanding. And, and I, and I, I take it, I don't want to call it the extreme. Uh, I think it's worked well for me. And I think more leaders should probably take this as an insight, but uh, I take it at a very personal level. Uh, I want to know about your family. I want to know about your fears. I want to know about your dreams, your goals and, and at a very non cheesy way. Like I want to mm -hmm. know at a very authentic level uh, what you want to do, where you want to be, where you want to go. Um, and if that's out of this business and, and, and starting your own business or even going to in a completely different industry, I want to know that. And, and I want to try to find a way to help you get there because number one, I always think it's a good karmic human being thing to do to care about someone's family, their life, their goals, their, their values, and help them achieve those things no matter what, because you have no idea where these people are going to go and where they're going to navigate through their career and life. And you may need them. You may run into them. There may be that relationship you always want to have someone look at you and say that person cared at a deep level. Mm. Um, and then at a business metric, there's so much data that is starting to slowly come out um, that when you care about the deeper nuances of someone's life uh, and they know that when you go for an ask. So let's at a very, I did some consulting for a restaurant. I gave this tip. Um, I gave a tip to a manager, take each one of your servers and your busters out and your cooks out to Starbucks every other week, learn about out, uh, away from the restaurant, learn about their family, learn about the nuances, learn about any, anything you can learn about them and start doing little things at an authentic level. Start doing little surprising delights. Start making little suggestions and nuances on certain variables. Put a playlist together because you kept listening that they are huge fans of Travis Scott and Wiz Khalifa or whatever the case is going to be, and and randomly put a playlist together and 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 play it as you guys are preparing for the day, 
and and make a little make a little suggestion to them or make a make a comment like these little natural human being things that you do to build friendships mm-hmm. and you do that to your employees when you go and ask them to stay a little bit longer because someone called out or you go and ask them do you have any new ideas on how we can revamp the menu or do you have any ideas around marketing they're going to think thoughtfully about that and their innovation triggers in their brain are going to fire at a much higher level. Right. Um, and, and there's so much data that backs up this airy fairy statement I just made, right? There's so much data that now backs this up that right. shows these employees will work harder and do much more work for you if you do this. Right. Um, and, well, cause uh, if you feel cared for, right? Yeah. Like if you feel like someone's willing to go to bat for you, you will hundred percent be like, I will go to bat for you. Yeah. Right. Like you're willing to do that. And so, yeah, totally. There is just this, this, I think that's the thing. Like there it's, it's a very like human component, help people like build trust with them and, and show them that you care about them. And again, that's what brings me back to and part of caring is not always feeling good about things, right? Like sometimes caring is I'm going to have to have a different, it's a difficult conversation we're having, but it's because I care. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's awesome to be able to, to give that advice to people. So here's what we'll do, because um, we're getting a little long on time. I'm mm-hmm. going to give you a, a very short breakdown of the VC idea. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking here. We have another six topics. If I can, uh, and I'll reach out to you offline here and we'll figure something yeah. out. I would love to do a part two if you're open to that. Um, yeah, I love it. I think we've had a, I, I love the conversation you and I have had today. So I'm like taking notes and whatnot. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I appreciate that. So there's, yeah, there's another six or seven topics here that will easily take up another hour or so. Yeah. Um, so let me give you the very, very short breakdown because we are getting a little long one time here. Mm. Um, we're turning into like the Joe Rogan four hour. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, though I'm going to do one of those one day to someone that's up for it. Um, I would love to get onto that podcast. That would be amazing. I think it'd be best if like it was like in a... Um, multiple people yes like three or four people i think it'll work because it could easily stretch two or three hours yeah <laughs> um here's the gist of it so long i want to find a way to condense this long story short there is there's only one right now that i know of there's a vc fund that uh, that focuses on employees and employee experience and hospitality first and then everything else to do with business second. Okay. Uh, I did not <laughs> uh, know about this before I came up with the title of this podcast or anything that I've been doing. Yes. Um, six years ago, I came up with this kind of E1B2 mindset after I made my first mistake with my brand. And ever since then, I promised myself I would never make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was searching high and low for people that were having these conversations but I couldn't find it mm-hmm. and then two or three years ago I came up with an idea uh, to invest in businesses that had this mindset because I feel like it I think I feel like it uh, uh, connects to long-term business growth but I couldn't find it and then randomly one day I was listening to a podcast and I came across the the uh, the one that runs this entire fund uh, I'm I think his name is Danny Meyer he okay. actually, uh, uh, what is it? Um, oh, it was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Shake Shack is one of the brands in, inside of this fund. Okay. At a very simple level, what they do to make it fast, 
they focused on employees and the experience of those employees um, with very context-based, human-based nuances with their benefits and their leadership styles and their succession planning and their salary output and all these things that are just super practical and focus on making the best experience possible. And then they focus on hospitality second. Anything okay. else to do with business, whether it's marketing, branding, partnerships, infrastructure, operations, all the core nuances of business, mm. that is a secondary focus. Now, it's obviously a focus, but it's mm-hmm. a secondary focus. Okay. Where in most businesses, and especially when it comes to VC funds, that is the main focus. Mm-hmm. What, what's our marketing plan? What's our go-to-market plan? Uh, uh, what, are, what are our operations looking like? fire this person immediately they are not performing where they need to be i don't care who they are like we need to get someone else in here move 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 we need to make more money right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i like what he's doing yeah and here's my idea and i want to get your two sets on it uh on the, on the theory and the concept of it. we don't have to get too much into detail of it because of the, the time here but yeah um i have always been a believer that if you focus on your people first and everything that comes with it, because it's a very general statement when I say focus on people first. So we're talking benefits. We're talking about the way that you pay them and their salaries. We're talking about time off. We're talking about the, the internal experience. We're talking about being thoughtful about where they want to go in the company long-term succession planning from day one and putting mm-hmm. L&D programs in place that are mm-hmm. context-based and that are human-based and that are like you know, strategically applying empathy and understanding where they want to go and where they want to be and making sure you're being thoughtful about that and intentional Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and putting so much focus on that first before anything else. I believe that is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, And I want to start a very smaller version of what he's doing. I want to start one that is, that is, that is designed to, to, to impact smaller brands and smaller businesses and right. to invest in those smaller brands and smaller businesses with that fund, um, opposed to the the magnitude and the, and the size that he currently is at the moment, because he's mm-hmm. doing it at a much higher scale. Mm-hmm. Did you have some experience in corporate? What what's your perspective on that? What's your gut reaction on that? What's your mm-hmm. your two cents on that? Um, and 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 where do you think my the issues will come. What's your perspective on the overall concept and where do you think some of the pitfalls will be? Mm. I mean, so the overall concept of employees first and like other, like all other business second makes perfect sense. Like it, it's, again, it's one of those common sense things. It's your people that really are the life force for your business. So it makes sense. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not, so what I can't speak to, and I'm hope, I don't think this is a question you're asking, but I can't really speak to the whole thing around VC funding and stuff. I, it's not 100%. my space, right? So I, I don't know about that. Um, but I love the idea. I think there's a great opportunity here. Um, it would be really interesting. I, I wonder how you might, you may want to think about how would you, so if I'm, if I'm a business that needs to, is looking for funding, what would I need to demonstrate to you that you can, you would be able to say, ah, yes, Nancy, your business qualifies. Like, what are those qualifiers and how would somebody demonstrate that? Um, that's like really the first question that came to my mind. I was just like, well, if I was doing this, what would I need to demonstrate? And how would you, as the uh, owner of the funding or like the, 
yeah, the the VC actually be able to um, decide, you know, yeah. who qualifies. Well, no, no. The, yeah, the, essentially, what it is is I, it would be a fund where I'm investing in brands that will allow me and my team to come in to inside of the brand and to bring this mindset and, and inject it into the brand, and mm-hmm. uh, and then and then watch things work. And 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 we will continue to fund and like it'll be a traditional VC fund. We will continue to provide income and and finances as long as they are you know continuing to keep this in mind. And having our team, you know, pretty much on board their team to have this mindset first and gotcha. all the different things that come along with it. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, um, no, I, I mean, it, it sounds like honestly, it sounds like a like awesome idea. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's when I think about building something like that, because you ask, like, what are the considerations? Like, what, uh, The thing that comes to my mind is one, you as a you as the leader and then your team that you will have have to we'll have to figure out what are your, what's the protocols? Like, what is your process for doing that? What is your, you, you will have to create a framework that every, like your people, like you will have to create some training to get your people up to speed on. This is the way, like whatever your company is going to, whatever your funding, the company is going to be called. This is our process for how we onboard. So you will have some of that's the kind of work that I think those are the kind of things that you'll have to think about what would standard standardization around that look like. Um, and, um, what will be our protocols? How would we know when to kind of look, how would, what are our checkpoints with the companies? Uh, what would be, what would they need to demonstrate to us first year, second year, third year? Like, what are the things they need to continue to demonstrate? Um, it's, yeah, it's more process oriented, the stuff that's coming to my mind, because you obviously know your purpose very clearly of what you yes. want to do. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, have you spoken to this Danny Meyer already? I have reached out to all of the director of employee experiences and VP of like people and HR directors of the brands yeah. in that fund uh-huh. to get them on the podcast. Um, I'm okay. working on a few right now. So that'll be super exciting. That's awesome. Because I think that you can just get some practical lessons learned on that side. Yeah. But even if you've connected with Danny himself, uh, he could probably give you some insights around like his own lessons learned in doing that. Uh, that would be one of my first go-tos. I definitely will. And I, and I appreciate, yeah, you're right, because I didn't even think about that, right? It's really going to be process-driven. What are the systems and the process that we have in place around each area of people first, right? Because it's such, there's such a, that's such a broad statement. There's so many yeah. small dynamics to employee experience, to employee engagement, to people first, yes. that there needs to be systems and processes in each one of those areas that, that can be pretty much translated throughout all the brands that are going to be in the fund. That's right. And then, and then what are the metrics of how you're tracking the effectiveness of that? Because um, we're a little bit different. We're a fund that is investing in you to follow these systems, not necessarily investing in you to do anything massive or crazy on the marketing and business end mm. to be able to make more, you know, it's a little bit of a different, it's a, it's a different type of a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit more of a longer term fund because yeah. some of the other funds that are more focused on the marketing and the go-to-market plan and the operations, they're looking for their, their returns a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, I actually thought about doing this like weird social <clears throat> entrepreneurship spit on it and like just 
giving brands money to do this. But then I was like, well, uh, where would I get that money to just give out? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> because, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up this way. And then I want you to share with everyone where they can find you and, and best ways to reach out to you, connect with you. Um, the, the whole mission and the whole reason why I wanted to start this and, and eventually, if I ever do start it, I will definitely reach out to you and others to come inside and, and help me with the theories and the mindset and some of the things mm-hmm. that may be put in place. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the whole mission behind it is very simple. You know, there are plenty of people like me and you that are trying to change the, the way people work and the way leaders work. But, you know, I was really thinking, I was like, you know, I'll always be a person that will be an entrepreneur and do this at an independent level. And I'll, and I'll always keep an open mind to work inside of brands like I'm, I'm going to here in the new year. But to really make an impact and really make a dent, how does America do it? How does the world do it? You put your money where your mouth is. Mm. And it's like, if I can start OG original brands and invest in brands and change their culture, change the way they interact with their people, that's the best way to really make a change at a macro mm. level. Like there's no other bigger way to do it. Like mm-hmm. what we're doing it is a, at a is, is very micro and it's definitely important, but there's no better way to start, you know, literally creating businesses and investing in businesses that had this mindset first, because the speed of which things can change will be much faster that way. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, tell everyone, I guess, where they can uh, where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for the conversation. I loved it, uh, and hopefully, the listeners uh, were able to get a lot of it out of it too. Uh, yeah, so you guys can, if anyone's looking to reach out to me, one of the best ways, like from a social perspective, is on LinkedIn. So if you look for me, Nancy John. That is two first names. <laughs> yeah. uh, simple enough to, to find me on LinkedIn and feel free. You can, you know, direct message me or engage through some of my content. Uh, that's one of the best ways to reach me. Uh, my website's going to go live shortly. Seed leadership, so www.seedleadershipdevelopment.com. And so that will give you uh, some, an, another way to reach out to me as well. But like I said, LinkedIn is one of the best ways. And uh, yeah. Please do if, they, if anyone is looking for some conversation or some support around this space of leadership development um, for yourself or within your organization. I would love to have a conversation. Perfect. And all I ask of you, Nancy, I'll uh, once I'm done getting this all edited up and and and, and put together, I'll uh, I'll send you over the links to all the different platforms that have this podcast, and then just share it. And I know you will, right? Because you you did a great job of expanding on a lot of things that I'm sure current clients, potential clients would like to hear you kind of expand on some of the topics we did today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you send me like where the links are, if you're like, like I said, I'm especially on LinkedIn, I'll make sure that I'm, I'm also forwarding it out that way. So once you let me know where it is and I'll make sure I'm sharing it out. I appreciate that. Well, today was a really good conversation and uh, yeah, we'll have a part two uh, at some point here in the next, uh, next few months and uh, we'll go that way. Awesome. Thanks, Anthony. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.